Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizza, currently in absentia, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from Eloise from London's question. With the news about Victoria's Secret Fashion Show making a comeback in the future, what can the brand do to make sure they are more inclusive, but not just for showmanship to win over the public? Which is a good question. I have probably not been to that many Victoria's Secret fashion shows. Um, I'm sure they are very, <laughs> very fun. Um, I think that we shouldn't really depend on brands to uh, display inclusivity. I think if we are able to, uh, I suppose, unite and galvanize our purchasing behavior and place more pressure on corporations, then we have more say on how they conduct themselves. So I think the best way to include inclusivity is to uh, refuse to buy stuff if uh, people are included. So with that being said, thank you very much, Eloise, for that great question. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. And you'll never miss an episode where you can hear our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special <laughs> Can you hear my cat screaming? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, let's, let's continue. <clears throat> yeah. So, thank you, Eloise. And if you do like the show, please rate review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and you'll never miss an episode. We can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is an author, musician, and comedian. She is best known for her books, Educating Teenagers on Feminism and Cute Cat Angus, who stars in her, on her Instagram frequently. And now she has a new book out called Murder on a School Night, which I can't wait to hear more about should she choose to divulge the synopsis on this show. Please welcome Ms. Kate Weston. <laughs> How's it going? Hi. Um, yep. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Obviously, go way back as stand-up comics, but you have definitely expanded your artistic repertoire uh, to become a bona fide author with, I think, I want to say three books published now. Is it four books? So there's two books published and the third one, Murder on a School Night, is publishing in four months. And Murder on a School Night is basically, Murder on a School Night's a little different to the other ones that I've written because Diary of a Capiz Feminist was very much kind of like that kind of like uh, Louise Renison style, like diary, kind of funny, like girls at school kind of thing. A Murder on a School Night is a comedy murder mystery. It's a YA comedy murder mystery. And it is, um, all the murders are basically committed with menstrual products. So, um, <laughs> that's very it's a, cool. It's a little different, um, in that respect. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a gamble, but hopefully people will like it. I think it's the way to go. I think as you know, we live in a very creatively risk adverse society. So taking a punt on the new concept is always good, Kate. And I feel like, you know, uh, yeah. However we can make people learn about menstrual products, the better. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Kate, uh, at this point in time, uh, as our very esteemed guest, it's uh, time for you uh, to ask the first question, which can be any question you would like, which we'd like to discuss for you for about, about half an hour in the absence of our producer friend, Howard Cohn. And then I'd mm -hmm. like to pose a question to you that we discuss for the same amount of time. And then I would love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works, be they comedy or literature, past, present and future. How does that mm -hmm. sound? That sounds fun. Cool. Um, well, then the floor yeah. is yours to ask the first question. So my question is, um, and it's obviously quite related to my books, um, is why are people still so prudish about periods? And so, like, why does period shame still exist? Cool. And uh, good question, first of all. And you say this has largely been part of the influence of your uh, 
upcoming book? Yeah. So when I when I launched my first book, um, I had a lot of comments along the lines of like going into schools and stuff. Some of the teachers would say to me, "Don't expect too much like um, uh, interaction from the kids because this is quite an embarrassing topic." And I was like, "Why is it embarrassing?" Like. Most of them are going to be doing it, like the fifteen-year-olds. You know, most of them already, are menstruating. Yeah, already, already menstruating. Yeah, because uh... yeah, like why is it? Why is this embarrassing? And why are you saying it's embarrassing in front of them? Why are you trying to make it a thing? And I also found, coincidentally, at those schools that the kids had the most to say about it. So you'd start, you'd have discussions with kids about things like, you know, what do you think your school can do to support you better with your periods? And they'd have a lot of things to say about it. And you're like, well, that's no coincidence. The fact that you all think it's really shameful to talk about and kids have questions and want to talk about it. Um, so that was really like the, um, that and the fact that someone, I think his name was like Terry or something. Um, Waterstones in Newcastle had done this amazing display for my books. And this guy was like, <laughs> he added me and some of the booksellers. And he was like, you're all utterly disgusting. And I was like, Oh, thanks, Terry. Um, literally just <laughs> doing something that your mother did. Um, and then he went and was like, where can I buy the books about wars? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with blood being spilled as long as it doesn't come from a vagina. Well, exactly. Yeah. A strange thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah first of all, I say I totally agree with you. I'm, I have no, I, I'd have no idea why there could still be shame about periods. I think it's a real shame because as far as I'm aware, you know, the Good Samaritans charity. Mm -hmm. I believe that was started because a young girl began menstruating and because she had no advice or information regarding it, she thought that she was terminally ill and tragically took her own life because she had nobody to confide in about these changes her body was going through. And that's why the Good Samaritans makes it a point of principle to be available to talk to one, talk to anybody depending on what they're going through. So to think that uh, all those years ago, how far supposedly we've progressed as a society there's still shame about, well, I mean, it's just as natural as breathing. Mm, and uh, exactly. I don't understand. Myself personally, I guess I've never really had the shame. And there's a number of reasons for that. I think the first one is because uh, I grew up around a lot of women. I have uh, two sisters. My mom has six sisters. They have about two daughters each. And so you would be hard pressed to uh, be at somebody's house and open a cabinet under the sink or in the bathroom and not see feminine hygiene products. Um, mm. And yeah, just uh, to be quite honest with you, there was no real shame about it. It'd be quite the opposite. I'll be honest, there's probably, there's probably an element of relief because it's probably not something I have to worry about. Um, yeah. You know, I can put on white underwear with impunity, but that's also because <laughs> I can wipe my butt properly. Which is also a big thing. That's a that's a thing as well. Because a lot of people can't do that. <laughs> they can't, and I feel like there should be much more shame around skid marks than than there, there is should. about uh, periods. But but it's funny that there isn't. Like um, in my in I think it was my second book, I'd written about this boy at school that like shot himself, and everyone forgot about it, and they forgot about it faster than they forgot about one of the girls accidentally dropping her menstrual cup on the floor, and it's like the you know the kind of like disparity between those two things um yeah, which is just how it happens as well that didn't like you know that came from like personal experience when i was at school if a girl bled through her trousers they'd be talked about way more than a boy like shitting himself yeah so which, 
which I must say is a <laughs> a ma- is a real point of shame for society in general because I yeah. remember being in Cub Scouts at nine and Paul Cooper shitting himself and I still haven't forgotten that. And that's because <laughs> like for the whole t- the whole weekend, people were like, you know, Paul shits himself sometimes. And I was on tenterhooks the whole time being like, I can't handle this. I cannot handle this. And we went the whole weekend and on the car on the way back in the minivan, that's when he decides to shit himself. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry to bring it up, Paul. And I probably shouldn't victim blame, but did he like have a medical condition that meant that that I happened? I don't think or? so. As far as I know, none of the uh, warnings were tagged with he has IBS and maybe that's why, or he has diarrhea or Crohn's disease. Yeah. I, so there was nothing uh, gastrically wrong with him that I'm aware of. I just think that he just hadn't really worked it out yet how to you know have that kind of bowel control or control of his bowel movements. But wherever Paul is now, I'm sure that he's a either a great husband uh, or, or father. And I hope that he is being able to impart advice based on his experience. But my I, God, I will never yeah. forget that smell in a minivan. <laughs> it's a different... Listen, when someone shits himself and there's no air or water around, oh my God, it just hits different, Kate. It really does. <laughs> it really does. So I'm, and I'm just making that point up that we can all discuss that and be like, have a little laugh, but uh, not wanting to go too far off a tangent. I can't yeah. imagine why that shame is still there, especially because, um, like, as you said, you're speaking to young adults and going into schools and you found that they had a lot more questions. So, I mean, based on your experience as a woman, uh, mm-hmm. why do you think the shame is still there considering it's a natural part and people teach it in sex education and uh, we are all more than aware that it's a part of life. It's a life process. So what do you think the shame comes from? I'm going to take a punt and start with maybe patriarchy. <laughs> How did you know I was going to go there? Um, <laughs> a bit of a patriarchy, yeah, um, obviously. Um, but apart from that, it's kind of like, I think there's like a, a tradition around women putting tampons up their sleeves and like keeping everything very hidden because women have to externally be incredibly beautiful and there cannot be anything that is not like very palatable about a woman. Yeah, but then that which, makes... which is funny considering like <laughs> men men on stage it's a funny thing because obviously we both have experienced as comedians and mm-hmm. uh, obviously like your experiences including menstruation would have permeated into your material and you'd hear mm-hmm. and I'm sure you heard a lot of people flippantly being like oh all women do is talk about their periods and yeah. there's a lot of talk about period why yeah. does she have to talk about her period for I don't understand or even if you, you express any kind of emotion that isn't positive yeah. people are like oh she must be on her period and blah 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 <laughs> And I, I've addressed that bit myself because I'm always like, you know what? If I started bleeding out of my dick from 12 years old, I would tell everybody that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody. And also it's like, I think there's, so a lot of the stuff I've done research into are the, the sort of conditions associated with menstruation. And um, there's so many things that can go wrong and you're just not taught about it. Doctors don't are not well researched enough, not well trained enough. Um, there's all kinds of weird kind of things that happen when you're a woman who has issues or someone that menstruates that has issues with their periods because I mean when I was I think I was like nearly 30 I don't think I was yet 30 and I'd gone to the doctor with problems with menstruation and saying like you know I'm in a lot of pain but my periods have gone a bit haywire like I can go like months without one and then I have like a really heavy one and it's you know and this doctor looked at me and went yeah you're going through the menopause and I was like I'm not 30 yet. <laughs> legit for like two months, I was legit like, 
I'm going through the menopause. This is happening. Like, I'm going through really early menopause, which is a thing. You can have really early menopause, but not, I, I don't think it's normally that early. And it took ages for me to see a doctor that was like, you're not going through the menopause, but I do think something's going on. And like, then eventually, like, various people sort of investigated and stuff. But as someone that menstruates, you have to go through so much to kind of like achieve that like level of help from GPs. Mm. And you have to go through so much kind of like, yeah, we know that like once a month you're basically bedridden for a week. But what we thought we'd do is we'd just give you an opiate and uh, that's preferable. So so at least you feel comfortable in that bed for that week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like here, we're just going to drug you um, so that you don't come back to us with it. And I think there's a lot of kind of... Yeah, there's a lot of kind of brushing it all under the carpet and it not being researched enough. And it does make me wonder, um, obviously, if men menstruated, um, like cis men menstruated, whether it would be better researched and it would be better funded and stuff. But that is obviously not a question we have an answer to because that's not I mean, there's, there's, there's some ways we can find out because men had a problem with erectile dysfunction. Not working on that right away. Oh, yeah, they sorted that out with a pill, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. With women, they were like, you know, my menstrual cycle might stop. And I was like, yeah, well, pause, whatever. That's fine. I'm old. My dick don't work. No, we could do something about that. <laughs> let's let's change that as soon as we can. Let's really change that. And that, to the point where you can get, uh, you know, drugs like Viagra or Cialis without prescription. So <laughs> normally if there is a problem that does affect men negatively, there is a lot of work that goes into changing that. I uh, was on a daytime show, Steph's Pat Lunch, uh, last week. And uh, a doctor was on there and she was um, talking about uh, menstruation and women can definitely glean what problems they have based on their discharge. So you can tell if you maybe have an acute infection or an STI can change the consistency of menstrual blood, as Mm -hmm. can uh, iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I've learned that there is an entire claret spectrum where menstruation is concerned. And uh, you're basically a doctor. I mean, I wouldn't go that far yet, uh, but I do dispense the best medicine on stage. <laughs> but, um, that was terrible. I said it was terrible before I said it. <laughs> Listen, it was just that noise through headphones was really quite, um, yeah. It was onomatopoeic. That's the sound we were all looking for. But it's, a, it's, I just think it's a very strange thing where obviously being a part of a gender, which definitely has a obsession with vaginas, and definitely sees a mystique behind it. It's strange that they wouldn't want to learn a lot more about it and the functions of it. I mean, you know, people yeah. tend to, uh, you know, check inside of an Airbnb and look at shots before they stay there. But if you're going to be inside a vagina, you don't want to know how one works. Doesn't really seem like it makes sense. So I also think like if you teach, so I don't know if they still do it like this, but you know how when, like definitely when people our age were at school, the period chat happened where they were like, they sent the boys off to do something fun. Like uh-huh. you'd watch a film, you'd play football, you'd do something enjoyable. And the girls would all be sat in a room and they'd be like, you're going to bleed for seven days. It's going to suck. That's just it. Deal with it. <laughs> you were um, like, what did we do? We didn't even do anything. <laughs> yeah. But the the boys were very much like taken out of that chat. And it was like, they don't need to know about this. And I would say that they do. Oh, like, definitely. For like multiple reasons. Because I mean, because of all this stuff that can go wrong with it, I think there are things that like your partner can also like notice in you. So women that suffer from there's um, PMS, which is obviously the one that everyone always jokes about, which is actually like quite a horrible 
thing to deal with and everyone's like mm, she's got pms and it's like yeah i do and it's actually quite like serious and nasty but worse than that there's something called p um, pmdd which um is kind of a more severe version of it which can lead to like suicidal thoughts and like really kind of like it's really dangerous and i feel like knowing about things like that can actually like a partner can actually save someone's life with that knowledge and i just feel like if if we're excluding men from or boys from the conversation from the start how are they going to learn about this stuff so yeah i think it's very counterproductive and definitely drives a divide and i think in a world where we're supposed to be trying to aspire towards a much more egalitarian society uh it doesn't really make sense that there are life processes that we are separating along the lines of gender when i was in secondary school i was i guess again quite lucky because the girls i went to school with made it a point to like include us in that conversation so even though school might be trying to like obfuscate young men's vision from seeing periods my friends would be stuff like hey day look this is a jam donut I'd be like, oh, yeah. you guys are crazy but it was um but yeah a lot of my close friends like obviously being because i i went to a boys school and then had a, <laughs> a co-ed uh, sixth form and that was yeah. very helpful because it uh removed any of the stigma behind it it wasn't a formal conversation it was just being able to have conversation with friends and understanding that this is something they deal with on a regular basis because one of my friends she had uh, anemia so whenever she'd come on, like the the loss of iron would basically knock yeah. her out. Yeah, because she she'd barely be able to stand because she'd lost uh, so much blood or lost so much iron in her blood as well. And I imagine, obviously, being from a community that is a lot more overrepresented when it comes to things like sickle cell, thalassemia, and anemia, if you are losing blood uh, once a week during a month, that's going to have an effect on you. So yeah. again, I'd be it'd be remiss for me not to understand these things because. There'd be so many people in my family who once a month would be or one week in a month may not be able to function in an optimal way. And I would have no idea why. So it's strange that there's a lot of shame behind it. I, I think I definitely think as well, it's an interesting thing where comedy is concerned, because, again, as I said, I'd never really heard narratives like oh, all women do is talk about their periods because, you know, they don't. And yeah. also then again, at the same time, it's very clear. And I guess there's a definitely a, a feminist sentiment behind it that a lot of uh, women that I work with were trying to right. educate and disseminate this information because they probably had the same experience you have where trying to discuss these issues is met with like, you know, defensiveness or, you know, very sexist uh, rebuttals. And so, yeah, for me, it's always been very useful to listen to uh, women uh, performing on stage as comedians who, uh, yeah, definitely talk about it because yeah. it's part of your experience. And also, you know, where demographics are concerned, the odds are there's going to be more women in the room than there are men because there's just more women on the planet. So really we're talking about a life process which affects the majority of people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And in a, and it's, it's even more strange that as we're seeing the proliferation of transphobia and people are, what's the word I'm looking for? Gender critical. So there's a large debate with considered to be gender critical. How can you debate, uh, you know, what represents womanhood when one of the key cornerstones of womanhood is also something you're not prepared to discuss. Yeah, I think it's also like really important as well. A lot of the, so a lot of the argument with regard to like trans people is people saying things like, oh, if they don't menstruate, they're not a woman. And that's such rubbish because so many women don't menstruate as well. Yeah, you can there take a, a progesterone-based pill. You can take the pill and if the pill is progesterone-based, you won't have a, uh, you won't bleed. So yeah, that and also some women are just born without um, they 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 
their wombs don't fully develop. Um, things can happen that mean that you just don't menstruate due to yeah, various if, conditions. If you, if you get cancer or cervical cancer, you may have to have a hysterectomy, but that might affect your ability yeah. to menstruate as well. So, yeah, there's a number of conditions which can affect your, your ability to menstruate. Stress, anorexia as well. Yes. Both of those yes. things as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm throwing, yeah, I think I know I'm throwing stuff out the... there. <laughs> I'm throwing stuff out there as well, but like, I'm just trying to. <laughs> I'm, I am uh, genuinely interested because I, 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 yeah. I, I don't understand why there can be shame about something that is, as people say, is natural. So. Yeah, I think it's quite. Um, it's quite. Uh, I just remembering being a comedian, and I had a lot of jokes about periods, and a lot of uh, male comedians talking to me about it. And I remember one of them who. Um, I won't. Uh, I won't mention his name on this. He came up to me. He was like, "So," he was like, "So, hey, I've been uh, doing some research." And he like leaned in and he went, "Tell me about the chunks." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> "I was like, do you mean the like so that's like bits of womb lining?" And he was like, "Chunks, chunks happen." And I was like, "Yeah, dude. Like, what? How do you think like if a period is the womb lining coming out of your body? How do you think it does it? Do you think it just like?" There's not a sieve in there, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, yeah, do you think we sieve it out? Um, but yeah, it's quite funny that that's reminded me of that. I think the only time you ever asked me a question was when you were like, how do tampons work, Kate? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, let me, uh, <laughs> let me get you a diagram. Um, yeah, because I, I bet that's because, I, I guess for me, I, I would ask a question like that because I don't know when there to be a mystique or any shame about it. And I think it's something that you should know because I think even a point of tampons, I guess, and that is just down to the fact that I, most people I'd known had maybe used a sanitary towel as opposed yep. to a tampon. And then I uh, wanted to learn more about it because obviously there's an alternative there. And this was probably before, a little bit before, like moon cups or menstrual cups became a lot more uh, used normally. Yeah. And it's crazy that like in a time where we spent so much time over the last, I'd say maybe three decades or uh, four decades talking about like sustainable practices, environmental responsibility, like it's a much more sustainable and environmentally uh, friendly way for women to be able to use uh, moon cups as a uh, hygiene product. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, it's one of those things where, again, you need to be quite kind of aware of things because there's all kinds of things that, you know, I think. TSS? It's not, it's, yeah. See? That. I so I keep throwing stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know about the periods. I've, I've learned things, and, I, I, and I've, I, well, I'm I'm eager to learn about the periods, is what I should say, rather than I know about the periods, because as I said, it's like, as you said, on a on an interpersonal basis, you yeah. don't want a someone you love to feel any kind of shame about something that's supposed to be natural, and if they can't confide something like that in you anyway, then I don't think it forms a good foundation for a relationship. But not just you know. Uh, sexually or romantically also platonically and, and for me familiar as well that these are a number of issues which can uh, affect the lives of somebody and also their ability to create life so yeah yeah I yeah I don't, I don't think my husband ever had like much of a chance of not interacting with my periods he literally <laughs> like I think <laughs> there was one day where because I used to with the first and second book, I used to write before work. So I'd wake up at five and I'd start writing in bed and he'd wake up and I'd be like, today's fun period fact, when he was like literally opening his eyes, just like, okay, cool, thanks. Um, but then that meant that he would like tell his friends what he'd learned in Kate's fun period fact, wake up. 
So, you know, poor guy. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I think it's a good point that like how we can address the shame uh, regarding menstruation, uh, feminine hygiene products and uh, other feminist uh, issues and issues of womanhood is for men to be open to learning and disseminating not, that information. Not just womanhood, though. I think it is important to just make sure that we're clear that there's also like men that menstruate because there's trans men is, that menstruate. Is, and so it's not true. just a womanhood issue. And I think it's really, I think part of the being open and and honest and having frank discussions about things is to not um, exclude trans men from the conversation or non-binary people from the conversation because I think it's really important that we include everyone in it. Um, yeah. And I think if you don't include them in it, then that's, it's icky. Yeah, and also, and also, and also, I guess the, that exclusion would make them make people, whether they are non-binary or uh, gender fluid or trans, also feel shame if they're not included in a conversation which also affects them directly or indirectly. So, very yeah. good point, well made. That was a bloody good question. Bloody good. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, just, getting, they're just they're just getting worse. These 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 puns of mine. Worse that's okay. Worse. Okay. Well. <laughs> Nobody I mean, is there perfect. is an organisation called Bloody Good Period. So I, yeah, I remember I did a gig for them. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did a, a gig for them. Uh, I think it was near like King's Cross, but it was about yeah, five years ago, four or five years ago. So yeah, very much aware they're, of that. They're great. And uh, also, I worked with another uh, charity previously called Freedom for Girls, who provide feminine hygiene products for uh, girls based in uh, Africa who don't have oh, access to them or who are also frequently shamed for menstruation. So. I said, I'm not there yet, but I'm learning. I, I've even got a bacterial vaginosis joke at the moment. Have so, you? Yeah, but you'll have to you'll have to see it at some point. Okay. Um. Yeah, but uh, that uh, allows us to segue seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. Basically, obviously, through speaking to you and through uh, various other interactions with my colleagues and just having the pleasure of working with some great women in general, I'm aware of and uh, obviously are open to understanding more about feminism as an ideology. But I feel like at the same time, we're living in a time now where there seems to be a real uh, misogynist backlash, um, which isn't just uh, attributed to one gender, but from conservatives or people who might consider themselves to be uh, right-wing or alt-right-wing, who <laughs> frequently say things like feminism has failed or they attribute uh, a lot of uh, contemporary issues today between genders uh, to feminism as being the result of which. And even goes so far as to say that feminism has almost been responsible for the decline of Western civilization, which to me is fucking insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, but I, I've even had experience on stage where it seems like it's almost... Referring to somebody as a feminist is almost used as a slur. <laughs> and um, I guess my question is, how can we explain feminism for dummies? Okay. <laughs> I am um, I'll, preface, I'll, pre I'll, pre I'll preface it by saying that for me, I understand feminism. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to do so, yeah. I understand yeah. feminism as a progressive and egalitarian ideology, which basically dictates that being uh, either being born or identifying as a woman 
does not predispose you to inferior treatment within society and <clears throat> other, uh, I guess, social paradigms. That's how I understand <clears throat> feminism. And and part and and is part of the umbrella of being egalitarian or humanist. I think that's really good because you've included they've included like trans women in that as well, which is one of the biggest issues I think in in feminism at the moment is that there are people that think that um, feminism is in some way threatened by trans people, which it's not. Um, and in actual fact, a lot of the issues that um, cis women and trans women face, like if we supported them on them, it would, you know, if we supported each other on them, it would make things like so much easier and it would make us stronger. Whereas there are people who are obviously, um, you know, not of that belief. And to me, to me, like personally, that isn't feminism and that's not how feminism works because feminism is for kind of equality yeah. and you can't really have equality if you're excluding people left right and center that just does not make you, sense you, you fucking hear that jk rowling do you do you think there's been any aspects uh of contemporary or popular culture which you can say maybe has damaged the uh the understanding of feminism or do you think there's people that have maybe weaponized or misrepresented feminism that's contributed to this problem uh definitely the gender critical feminists have uh -huh. definitely done that um, and yeah, that's quite sad. Um, but I feel like I've talked about that already and I'm no, trying not no, to mention names. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like you don't need to, I mean, you don't feel to hold back names on our part, but I understand the world that you're in. So it could be quite hectic in that respect. Or we can also, we can, we can bleep it out if you need. But uh, I, I, I guess, I guess for me, like, I think a lot of the time people one of the ways feminism is weaponized against women is that people conflate it with misandry mm -hmm. uh, or I guess uh, chauvinism. I just, I, I think there is a very, very clear distinction. Yeah. I just want to know how, it's, how they've managed to allow this to happen. You know, with, a, with uh, America having a, a woman as a vice president, which I think maybe yet. the first woman as a vice president, we just had our, we had our second woman as a prime minister. Yeah. But we probably better not talk about that yeah really. she went she she went great it's a good point though because i think one of the first things that it's important for people to know is that feminism is not sacrosanct just to women alone or uh cis women and i think that's one of the main issues is that like a, a supporting a woman just for the sake of a woman is not the same as you know supporting someone as a feminist yeah. there's a difference there's a lot of women that don't support feminism um and a lot of women that weirdly i've had a lot of women saying like oh don't talk about periods and it's like what like mm. why do you, why do you think like that and you sort of have to pick it apart and be like is this like this is how the patriarchy has affected you because yeah. someone in your life has kind of as you've grown up spoken to you about periods in that way been like don't you know so in in our house I was like three three girls growing up and my brother was gay and my dad was very kind of, my dad was great. Like I remember the first time I got cystitis telling my dad about it and he was like, oh, I know it well, your other <laughs> sisters have had it. I know exactly what to do. Like, you know, like we had that kind of dad where you Just another Tuesday. Like, <laughs> cram cranberries in the fridge. <laughs> grab yourself, grab yourself some bear, get, you get yourself some bear berry. You'll be right as rain, darling. <laughs> yeah. And also my, um, me and my best friend actually bonded over um, how much we got cystitis. And when we sat next to each other at work, we used to have a little like shelf between us that just had various cystitis remedies. And uh, working in publishing, publishing is quite female orientated. So people used to show up at our desk and be like, 
I've got a uh, slight burn. What have you? What have you got for me? And we'd like dispense various things. But yeah, I feel like I've gone off topic. Uh- <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. I think yeah, have a, a feminist pharmacy is a good thing. But I mean, it's, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think it's both of those links because part I I would, and again, please correct me. I think mm-hmm. part of feminist ideology is disseminating that kind of information to remove the shame. That's part of the progressiveness of feminism is uh, helping for women to understand outside of whatever patriarchal. Uh, paradigms they may be raised in or cultural norms they're raised in to not have any shame about you know these aspects of their lives because yeah. uh, you know I, I I didn't know about cystitis until I was in relationships yeah that's so, generally how boys find out it's yeah. also how girls find out um, it's just that it's yeah. a little bit more painful for yeah. girls Thr- thrush too men I was, can get it though yeah and thrush as well and I was like I didn't even do nothing but then <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah to learn. but I, I think I just think it's so important for people to understand it's like feminism is not like the extremes where I remember reading about a woman who made bread from her vaginal yeast what did how uh, did, what did it taste like was it good bread I, I didn't try it but, when, uh, <laughs> I've got questions me too but there's a sourdough comment I'm too classy to touch so I just you're, you're you're drawing the line at that after yeah, all the things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> after the other, yeah. Yeah, in, okay. terms of, in terms of taste, yeah, I'm, but that's only that's only from the perspective of a comedian that I think I can do a lot better than that. So I'm going to leave it. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can. Well, no, but I think it's, it's just. Uh, I just think it's. Um, I guess another way to find out as well is that do you? How do you think feminism as an ideology has progressed in your lifetime compared to when you became aware of it or were able to define it versus uh, the state of it now within the UK or globally in your travels? So I think um, when I was younger, I remember, because um, I had quite a like open mum and an older sister who was quite like vocal about this sort of thing. Um, I remember going to school when I was, I think maybe 11. And I was like, yeah, I'm a feminist. And I got so much abuse for it. And also the general comeback back then for when you said you were a feminist was someone would shout lesbian at you in the playground. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, those, those two things are not um, connected. Like you don't go, yeah, I want better rights for women and then suddenly become a lesbian. Um, that's got nothing to do with it. And um, I think that has definitely changed. There was also like a period in there, um, I'm trying to think when it was, when, when Catelyn Moran's book came out, I think it was like the around 2012, 2010, 20, somewhere mm-hmm. between there, where we got like the third wave of feminism where it suddenly became really cool and trendy. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, really like well-informed women writing really great um, articles and books and being quite funny about it, as opposed to like when I was younger, it being a very kind of like serious and inaccessible thing for people. And I think there was a lot of kind of snobbery from sort of the older generation back when the third wave started of like, you know, why are you being sort of like funny about it or like flippant about it? But as you and me both know, like being funny about things makes them more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so much easier to talk about difficult subjects with humor yeah. than it is to talk about them in a really serious way. Um so I think that has definitely changed it, made it a lot more accessible for people and made it less of a kind of a dirty word, mm. less of a kind of like you are less kind of like shamed for being a feminist now. And also there's less of this whole, because I think when I was younger, I sort of had the vibe that I wasn't um, intelligent enough to be a feminist. 
Like I didn't know everything there was to know about everything and I couldn't be. And also I have a, a crap memory for facts. I can't remember facts, names, dates. Like I've just got a really bad memory. So I was like, I'm not intelligent enough to to be a feminist. The like, intelligent part, is, that's an interesting point because I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't suppose it's because of a lack of uh, knowledge. You have to remember as well is that the uh, institution that feminism is... Uh, or the trend that it's trying to buck has been long established for many, many years. And, and yes. when we talk about patriarchy, you know, patriarchy permeates economics or economic models. It permeates uh, spirituality. It permeates society. So to have a uh, opposing ideology, that's a progressive one, to understand how it works straight away is uh, very difficult because you would have to be able to galvanize women from many different walks of life and identify what their needs are so far as pursuing an egalitarian state, wherever they are and make sure that it kind of caters and is inclusive of all of these various different parties, obviously including non-binary and uh, transgender women as well. So, no, oh, it's not that you were stupid, just the people you were around were stupid, Kate. Yeah. That's how I'm, you know, when you read a book and you, well, you probably don't cause you're like, I think you're actually far more intelligent than me. Um, and you no, know, no, you I read like, a book, like book and you I don't like understand. Pictures. No, I, I, like book, I like books and pictures. Don't, don't, don't pedestalize me at all. <laughs> but, you know, you, you read a book sometimes and you're like, God, I just can't understand any of this. And it's not actually because you're like, this took me years to work out. It's not actually because you're not intelligent. It's because the, that writing, you just don't identify with it. And it's just that you identify with things being spoken about in a different way. And that took me ages to figure out because I used to really torture myself about not being able to read certain things. Or I'd be like, I can't read Lord of the Rings, and that makes me like not literary. And it's it's not. It's just I don't like fantasy books. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah, I, t I, I totally get that. I um, I just want to also tack on with the question as well. I think, as you said, as a result of third wave feminism, you hear a lot more men being explicit about the fact that they identify as feminists. And mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of men on stage be like, "I'm a feminist because of this. I'm a feminist because of that." And <laughs> sometimes I worry that the term is being misappropriated. And again, I want to ask on behalf of my gender, are <laughs> there ways that we can, uh, what, what are the best ways that we can align ourselves with uh, feminism without being like, yeah, my, I'm a, I got a single mom. So, and I think women are cool and I like armpit hair, which is obviously really not the tenets of feminism. So are there any particular key points that we can observe yeah. in order to uh, align ourselves with feminism correctly? So I think um, in terms of like men being allies to feminism as well, which I think is you know, important, I do find that the, a lot of the um, the comedians that I've heard being like, I'm a feminist, it's normally like the butt of a really bad joke. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that, that grates on me slightly. Um, but I think in terms of like men being allies, like obviously there's like just learning about things and, you know, getting you know just paying attention but also it's not even like the grand gestures or anything like you know that um interview with andy murray where and they're talking about the first american yes, yeah, to yeah. Got, and he goes male player right and yeah. what he does is so small and so subtle it's not like a massive thing but it like had this huge impact and you're it was like, really good because it had an impact on me i remember it because he was like i think you'll find the best athletes in this sport are serena and venus williams and I was like, yeah, yeah that, that is how it's done. Definitely. Yeah. And it was it was just so casual. And I just think there's like 
there's so many opportunities for men to do things like that, which they maybe don't necessarily do because they think that it has to be like this big grand kind of gesture or that has something. To be, that also has to be punctuated by saying I'm a feminist. And I've always felt like women aren't stupid and they'll be able to tell based on how you talk and what you say. And yeah. if you genuinely are an egalitarian in that respect, it will permeate into your material anyway. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, generally the I'm a feminist starts always uh, end quite badly, I think. Yeah. It's one of those things where people go, I'm not racist. Why did you need to bring it up? It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not reassuring so... to hear that at all. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's like, ah, you've just marked yourself out as a racist to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess for me, uh, as I said, I, I've had the privilege of uh, growing up in a, a very uh, woman intensive family. And so, and I guess, especially I, I mean, I feel like, being a, a black person, black women have just from the merit of their existence have had to be feminists because they've had to fight alongside men for civil rights, as well as uh, having to uh, enter into the workforce, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on arrival and particularly within the West, uh, initially not by choice and have also had some of the most harrowing experiences of being, you know, deprived of access to feminine hygiene products, as well as access to even being treated as a human being in terms, I mean, if you look into the the uh, history of gynecology and obstetrics, just to yeah. being able to uh, fight against that kind of brutality and uh, horrific treatment, and the child the childbirth statistics as well. Yeah, when it comes statistics to as well, yeah. So it's been yeah. it's been crucial for me to become a lot more aware of this. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I endeavor to learn as much as possible. And uh, yeah, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time See, to explain to a dummy. You are a feminist. You just don't start every sentence with "I'm a feminist," yeah, <laughs> and then pat yourself on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, why the fuck would you need to do some shit like that? That's insane. Um, which is not a question. That it's a, well, it's a rhetorical one, anyway. Is that the third question? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. I told, I told you to be painless. Um, but no, Kate, thank you so much for taking the thank time you. to come on the show and uh, give us a uh, a rudimentary education on feminism and to also increase our awareness of feminine hygiene and menstruation. Um, could you please tell our listeners and viewers so they can find out more about your good works and what's upcoming and what they should check yes. out for now? Um, so Diary of a Confused Feminist and the sequel Must Do Better are available now in all good bookshops. Um, and the online one that I'm not supposed to say the name of. Yeah, good, um, good ones. Not the, not the one that Terry goes to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the one that Terry goes to. Um, and m the Murder on a School Night is going to be published on the 6th of July um, in the UK. I think it's the 4th of, uh, yeah, it's Independence Day in the US. It's publishing. Um, the irony. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then it's there's a sequel to that as well, which is publishing in summer 2024, which I'm writing at the moment, which is actually really hard. Well. Yeah. We are very confident that you will rise to the occasion, Miss Weston. Thanks very much. Thank and just as also, um, you know, given that you are very learned and uh, very experienced with literature, any recommendations for those of us who want to, uh, who are aspiring to be better feminists and learn more about uh, ideology? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is uh, like a dream question. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would say uh, things by Laura Bates. Just look for anything by Laura Bates. She uses mm -hmm. the everyday sexism. Um, I would also say 
there's, I mean, it depends what age you are. Um, Galdam do some amazing uh, stuff and they've got a book out which is short essays and I've forgotten the name of it because I'm not good with names and titles. It's Galdam, um, Galdam, Galdam who do the magazine and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so ch- if anyone, the, anyone check out their Instagram as well. They're, they're great. So They're, they're incredible. Um, yeah, and like sort of like contemporary fiction I would say Holly Bourne as well. She writes really well about like women, feminism, all of all of the whole spectrum. Um, and also Gino Dawson. Read everything by Gino Dawson. <laughs> if you genuinely are interested in becoming an ally listeners, then uh, you are spoiled for choice with information. But if you want to learn any more, then uh, follow Kate on all the social media and uh, check out her books too. Uh, just leave to say, Kate, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.